Everyone faces challenges every single day. Some are chosen and bring us joy. Some are given to us and bring struggle or pain. Whether the diagnosis of an illness, the news of a friend's death, the loss of a job, or a bike accident, we may be asked to step up to face issues that demand courage and perseverance. Hurt is just one of the many aspects of full lives. Each week on this show, ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope, Dr. Joanne Dahl helps us understand how we can use acceptance and commitment therapy to learn to accept what we cannot change and move forward into a valued life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Joanne Dahl. Welcome to ACT, Taking Hurt to Hope. Today we're going to continue our series of ACT and health issues. A topic that's close to my heart is how ACT can approach the growing population of women over 50 and those special related health issues. In the next decade, more women than ever will be age 50 or older, and women face unique health issues beginning at age 50 and throughout the rest of their lives. Uh, Heart disease, uh, osteoporosis, breast cancer, and diabetes occur more often in older women than in younger women. Lung cancer causes the greatest number of cancer-related deaths in women, followed by breast cancer and colon cancer. Some women face greater risk for developing one or more conditions than other women. So today I want to welcome back a guest that you've listened to before and who had so much to say that I wanted to bring her back, Dr. Abby Beecham. If you remember, Abby is the Associate Professor at Sarier University at the Department of Psychology. Welcome back, Abby. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. (laughs) What's the weather like there now in Ohio? It's uh, gray and warm, and within about another day, we're going to be down to about 19 degrees. So uh, we're going to have some cold holiday-like weather coming in. What's it like where you are? Well, it's uh, actually we've had a very warm, warm um, fall, but you know now we're getting Sweden is getting close to the darkest day of the year, so it's pretty dark here. And uh, this weekend, we're going to have a terrible snowstorm that's coming in from England. Oh, they're predicting. You know, yeah, they're predicting uh, thirty inches of snow. Oh, now are you used to that? Yeah, I'm from Vermont. So okay. <laughs> I'm, used, I'm used to the snow and cold. I'm not used to the dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Abby, um, so you you we last time I had you on the program, we talked about chronic illness, and um, we got into the topic of women in chronic illness and. Um, we start thinking about this about um, women over 50 and the special health issues. What what got you interested in that? Well, you know, uh, I have to say it, it was about me <laughs> because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've worked in medical settings and I've worked with women uh, and chronic illness and aging. And uh, before I turned 50, it really didn't, it, it seemed far away to me. Mm-hmm. After I turned 50, I noticed that everything started shifting, everything. Um, I noticed my body was changing, um, everything. I was discontent with my work. I was just ill at ease with who I was. And um, life change happens so exponentially during that time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both my parents passed away, um, had loss of loved ones. And 
I began to feel like I had become unfit. Well, I had become unfit, and I had always been physically active and athletic and was beginning to have aches and pains. I wasn't sleeping, and um, I was perimenopausal, but I was one of the lucky few who had extraordinarily bad symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my fatigue and my mood, and it was all over the map. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know what that was like for you, um, but it got my attention. And yeah. I know yeah. you just had a birthday. Yes, I did. I just was 62 yesterday. <laughs> I think it was, it's, um, uh, my own mother died at the age of 40, so I didn't really have anyone to look at, you know, how, how these symptoms would be. But uh, I, I read Germaine Greer's book. Do you remember what was the name of the, her wonderful book about menopause or women? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Do you remember the name of that book? I don't. I I don't remember. She she talks about you know the women not taking um, estrogen and being and that actually this feeling of freedom and that's exactly what I felt was uh, I felt free. I I increased my exercise at the time and I um, as, as you did and mm-hmm. I think that um, yeah I th- I thought it was a wonderful new chapter in life where of being less reactive probably you know determined by hormones. And being more at peace. Yeah, yeah. I think um, some women have that experience. Other women have an experience where their hormones, um, they go through a period of great reactivity. And one of the things I learned is that, because I began to look, um, women don't know what's normal. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that we each go through this um, individually. Uh, Your discussion about exercise, uh, for me, that was key. Because I felt like I had to, if it makes any sense, take back some power and develop some power. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the day distinctly. I had had a couple of um, interviews, phone job interview, phone mm-hmm. interviews, and a bunch of things fell through all on the same day. And a friend of mine was in visiting, and she called it my special day of failure. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, she said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go buy a bike. And she said, really? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I want to go buy a bike and I want to start riding it because I had done that when I was young. But I thought, oh, I can't do that now. Yeah, yeah. So I bought a road bike and some friends and I formed a team mm-hmm. that we called the Eclectic Relics. <laughs> the requirement was you couldn't ride too fast and you had to be over 40. <laughs> so that really, it sounds unrelated, but that really enabled me to, to more or less thumb my nose at mm-hmm. the way things fell out of control mm-hmm. and to enjoy the process of feeling powerful and active and challenge myself again. And I really felt like that was the beginning of me looking at things through a particularly different lens. I like, I like that story, Abby. And I wonder about... Um, you know, when I came to Sweden, uh, uh, Americans were often uh, sort of uh, joked about where, with elderly women would come over with these, um, you know, uh, diamond glasses and purple hair. And they were sort of <laughs> laughed at and thought, you know, they, they, don't, they don't accept their age. And I always reacted to that thing. Well, is there some kind of rule here about, you know, the way you should look or the way you should act with age? And so I've always wondered about this idea about what is what do we mean by acceptance and what do we mean when you say thumb your nose which i like i mean how would you think about the the concept of acceptance when it comes to age 
I think that, um, you know, your story is wonderful. Um, I, I actually have a master's in exercise science. And we used to read about the Scandinavians because um, people in, in Sweden were sort of the gold standard. We talked about housewives at 50 who were in better shape than 20-year-olds in America. Mm-hmm. And um, it is true that social convention, I think, that over 50, at least among Americans, um, there is this belief that we should sit back and um, begin to deteriorate, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. So acceptance really is about, um, I have these symptoms, I have this pain, I have this discontent, and I'm changing every day, and um, I still want want to do what's important to me. And Mm -hmm. I think that's where we get stuck, because there's this question of should I be doing this? What is the social convention here? Mm-hmm. And am I, am I just giving into that? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the should and the should not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder how much we do exactly what you say. We, we, we sort of buy into, well, this is, I'm on the downward slope. Mm-hmm. Other writers would suggest that women uh, in their late 50s and 60s that's the time when we do our most creative and powerful work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine if you ask women that question, they wouldn't, they wouldn't believe that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, for sure that it's a time in life if, when you don't have young children anymore. And certainly it's a, uh, that, that's a period in life that's very, very stressful. And I think this time it's a wonderful time of, of in, enjoying what you, the, what you have built up in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And using um, our wisdom mm-hmm. to move in even new areas. I, mm-hmm. uh, after you and I talked, I, I have to admit, I, I thought, I don't know very much about this. I need to figure, I need to figure some things out, get some information. And I found a book review mm-hmm. that the very first thing it wrote uh, that was written Women at midlife remain an oddly invisible group. Mm-hmm. And they talked about some research where people came up with more negative adjectives about women in this age group than in any other group. And I thought, doesn't that speak volumes? There's an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so how could we make uh, these women more visible? What, how, are you, how would you define the problem? I think the problem is that we... Um, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, even it, in this day and time, I had to do some searching about what is normal perimenopause because I really thought this must just be normal for me and my symptoms were severe. Um, and I thought this must be normal and I just need to, you know, not say anything. Mm-hmm. And I had to look um, and seek out information because I was afraid to talk about it. And And I think that, the fact that I was afraid to talk about it, and I work in healthcare, yeah. <laughs> was, the irony of that is is large. Um, we have to introduce the dialogue, talk about it, and make the dialogue normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that you were talking about, where we don't have kids at home anymore, and and we're not reproducing, where we don't have the reproductive element with us at this point. Um, and I think we can move toward we, what, what is it that we're doing that's powerful and creative and impactful. Mm-hmm. And um, 
making note of that and having conversations about what is it like to go through this time of life. The, mm -hmm. the change is enormous. Mm -hmm. So how would you, why would ACT approach this particular issue? Well, you know, um, I use the metaphor uh, a lot of letting go of the rope, the, the monster playing tug of war um, with me. I'll just use me. And in between me and this big, ugly monster of um, me failing, me not my health failing, the end of life, all of those horrible, ugly things that I fear so much. Um, and I pull against it and pull against it. And in between me and that monster is the moat. And I think if I don't pull and pull and pull, I'm going to be dragged into the moat. And uh, this is particularly true of the fatigue and the sleep. And, oh, my gosh, I must pull and pull and pull against this change. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, when you and I first began corresponding about this, I, I started thinking about this. This is a daily, repetitive, constant um, awareness to simply let go of the rope, mm -hmm. to put down the struggle. Mm -hmm. And that is the first way I think about act applying to this is the struggle. Mm -hmm. This is a time of change in life that no one taught us about. You mentioned your mother passing away early. My mother never discussed this. It was not discussed. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's confusing. And so we consistently have to put down the rope and, and recognize that we're in the struggle. Um, trying not to be where we're headed or where we are, but wanting to latch on to where we were. Yeah. And you have looked at different uh, different age groups of women. Is that right? When it comes to this struggle? Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, the last time you and I had talked, um, I had some data from women with chronic illness. And uh, after you and I spoke, I sat down and looked at some of the things about these women, I split them into three age groups, 40 to 49, 50 to 64, so this midlife group, and then 65 and over. Mm -hmm. And just to kind of characterize the group, uh, women in all three of these groups had about two and a half diagnosed chronic illnesses of various types. The women in the middle group, that midlife, 50 to 64, they were heavier, they had worse sleep, um, they tended to have a little bit higher level of pain. And one of the interesting things about it was that I looked at one question. Uh, over the past year, have you consumed more beer, wine, or liquor because of your illness? Mm -hmm. And the women in this middle group said yes to that question at a rate approximately three times higher than older women or younger women. Wow. That led me to wonder, I what what about experiential avoidance? Mm -hmm. What about values and satisfaction? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I began to look a little bit further. Um, we asked the women in this in this survey to rate on a scale of one, the least important to ten, the most important. So area of importance of a particular part of their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we wanted them to rate how satisfied are you with this area of your life? And then tell us how many actions they had taken in each area. Um, so when I looked at these three groups of women, here's what we saw. The things that stayed very important across all age groups were family, 
intimate relationships, and parenting. They mm-hmm. stayed extremely important, and by and large, they were highly satisfied in these areas. Mm-hmm. The women in the middle group, the 50 to 64 group again, were much more dissatisfied in areas of career, education, and, and basically fun. Um, mm-hmm. getting out and doing things that were fun. And they really um, struggle with satisfaction in this area, even though they were they were saying, well, I do as much, but it's not as fun. I'm not satisfied. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really points to uh, a struggle. Okay, so, so you're thinking that they're, they're struggling more than the other two age groups. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's not that they're that much different in terms of objective things. Mm-hmm. It's that they are responding differently in this time where things and I'm and I'm taking a leap. Things are changing, and they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also uh, were not as willing to experience their symptoms. And I, you know, I can only presume that because of the changes occurring in, during this time, accepting and being willing to experience symptoms, mm-hmm. not not in the service of making them go away before you live your life, mm-hmm. that's harder. For women in the middle group. Once they got to 65, mm-hmm. things got a lot less full of struggle, mm-hmm. um, more acceptance. Um, I, I think of it as a gentler um, acceptance in that area and maybe being even more compassionate. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that for certain. I'm, I'm just, I'm saying essentially women in the middle group, um, we seem to be in a struggle. Mm-hmm. And uh, at what point does it become a gentler struggle? Why do you think that is? Uh, I think because we're close to um, a younger time period where maybe powering through, um, having pain be uh, transient or temporary, mm-hmm. um, not having the kind of change. You know, I joke uh, every time I look in the mirror, mm-hmm. I think, oh, that's new. <laughs> Something's <laughs> in a new location. Um, and everything that changes can have a meaning of, is this a health problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this something I should be concerned about? Mm-hmm. Or um, I don't know if I should talk about this change. Or maybe I need to just be silent mm-hmm. and deny it and not accept it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one way um, that that I think about it, but I don't know that to be true. And it, and it, um, it brings an interesting question, maybe one that we need to ask. Yeah. I'm thinking too, that <laughs> I don't know either. I don't have data, but, um, it, it seems that, uh, if you look throughout the whole life spectrum, uh, we have these, um, pictures of about the way life should look like. And the, the younger people with less experience, maybe use more, uh, pictures and rules um, about how things should be and these pictures are from you know movies or media or you know culture and and then as life goes on possibly you you get experience that these these pictures are not the the real thing right life is the real thing and and maybe there's a, a a greater willingness to leave these pictures and to be more in contact with actually uh, the pulse of life as a more meaningful, I don't know. I think that's that could very much be it, um, and and maybe that occurs l- a little later mm-hmm. of having the pulse that you have right now, 
and going with that. Uh, whereas the pictures that we look to that are not attainable, we begin to think, we begin to realize they're not attainable, mm-hmm. maybe after our 40s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's still the hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if yeah. 40 is the new 30, then you still have a hope <laughs> that those pictures are attainable. And um, we fail to think about how the pictures are often computer generated or corrected. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that may very well be it. Yeah, I mean, and we use the word arbitrary reinforcement with the, you know, if they're, you know, not the actual reinforcement or the actual value or meaning that we, that I think it sometimes it takes, you know, we often use an act the, the funeral exercise or the gravestone, and it's often yeah. easier to to find values if you actually look towards the end of your life, like. Uh, what what do you want to have written on your gaystone? And it's you know not that you're going to publish another article maybe or exactly yeah. So it it becomes sometimes we need to get that perspective of, of the long life. That's a powerful perspective. Um, one of the things that I was really just so salient for me. Um, I think we go into our forties thinking there's plenty of time to get it together and and make that picture attainable. Mm. And once once we get into our 50s and our bodies are changing and life is different and we lose people in our lives, um, then we realize there's just not as much time and our values begin to bubble up in a, in a different way. And how we work with that um, seems to be the measure. How flexible can we be around that? Mm. Mm. Do you want to do a role play about this, Abby? Sure. Let's give <laughs> yeah. it a try. Let's see okay. what we do. Okay. Um, I can be myself. Okay. Um, so tell me a little bit about the experience that you're bringing in. Um, well, I make uh, commitments to go to uh, yoga. And I really like going there. It really feels healthy for me. But uh, often I can get into this avoidance of find, figuring out reasons why not to go. And um, and I uh, sometimes it, so there's a struggle for me about I know what's good for me, and I um, and I and I've bought an expensive uh, yearly subscription and everything. So I should really be. Did you? Yes, so when I you did. got when you got that that expensive subscription, did you feel like that would be the thing that always got you out the door? Right. That's just going to, yeah. would shame me into doing that. Exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm interested, Joanne, uh, when's the last time that you wanted to go to yoga or, or thought you, I'm going to use that word that should, you should go to yoga, but you weren't, you just were, you know, avoidant. Yeah. Uh, tell uh, me about the last time. It was on Monday. Yeah, Monday? The day, day before yesterday. About what time of day was it? Where had yeah. you been and what had you been, had you been doing? I, well, I had been working in the day and I'd come home and I was tired. And, and um, yeah, I just started thinking, figuring out re- reasons why I didn't need to go. Okay. And so you were tired. Mm-hmm. End of the day. And the reasons you didn't need to go were what? Um well, that it wouldn't matter if I didn't go just this time, and and I'm tired, and I have the I have the right to relax, and 
Mm-hmm. I don't need to be on the go all the time. And what did you end up doing? Stayed home. Did you? Mm-hmm. And so when you stayed home, um, as it got closer to the start of your class and you knew that it was happening, um, what kind of thoughts might have come into your mind? Oh, well, they were, I, yeah, I thought, why did I do this? I, I would feel much better if I did that. And I have the experience that I feel much better. So, so I, you had, you had that, that, why did I do this? Mm-hmm. That was the thought that came in. And, and it's interesting, you use the term, of, you know, when you got your expensive membership of shaming you into <laughs> yeah. and And so there's that magic shame. And I'm wondering if when that class started and you were at home and you were relaxing and, and, and really giving yourself, a, you know, a day off, um, was any of that shame, uh, did that bubble up at all? Oh, yeah, for sure. Did it? Mm-hmm. And what... What did you What did you do with that? I promised myself. Okay, I will. I, I went to my calendar and wrote down the other days I would go that I would um, for it would force myself not to. They wouldn't get a chance to slack off like this again. Okay. <laughs> so what was it possible, you know, for you to have that shame and get up and do something? in the service of something that you really, really value and actually enjoy, um, even though you had the shame? I could have, yeah. Right. But And you did do something. You went ahead and wrote it in your calendar. Mm-hmm. And how did that work for you in the immediate? Well, I have it for tonight. I'm going to go tonight. <laughs> okay. So as we're having this conversation about it, um, do you feel like you're more likely to actually go? Mm-hmm. Yes. Where's the shift? Uh, well, because I I got into contact with that I that I really I, I want to do this for myself. I don't want to make myself feel bad about it. So, as you know, as we're talking here, um, there's a, a noticeable difference in how you're talking about it because you're not as hooked into the shame around it when you were talking earlier. Um, you seem to be almost apologetic in your story about how you gave yourself permission and had all these reasons why you didn't need to go, but you were a little sheepish in how we were talking. (laughs) The way you talk about it now, I'm feeling a little more energy around it. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if it's the, the ability to step back and not hook into the to the, I don't know what it was that was happening. I'm having trouble describing it. Um, and you know, if I can step out of role for a minute, I'm essentially what I'm trying to do is a, is a good analysis, you know, what we call a functional analysis of when did this happen and what was your mind telling you and what were you experiencing at the time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what did you do when that happened? So my hope would be that you would be able to see where you got hooked into something that took you in a direction that wasn't in the service of your true value. You were tired mm-hmm. and you, you were saying you would have felt better had you gone. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. but I, I, I don't want to go too far off track. Um, no, that's good. That's good. That's, it's, <laughs> it's fun to hear. It's fun just for our listeners to hear, uh, you know, how you work practically. That's always fun to see. And I think the exercise is a wonderful example of a daily struggle. Mm-hmm. The exercise and the fatigue, it's something that we probably all struggle with. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, it's the thing that we want to do regularly. And it's the thing that we very often, it's like meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, we very often put on the back burner because we can make decisions about when we, when we go and when we do those things. Yeah, exactly. I had one uh, trick that I used to do with myself. I, uh, I would put my, I would say, you don't have to go out running. You just, just put your sneakers on. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you don't have to, you can just go down to the door. You don't have to go any farther than that. Just go to the door. And it worked. <laughs> and it worked, yeah. <laughs> so just want to you know, gently coax myself out enough so that you change your perspective. Yeah. It's funny what changing your shoes can do. <laughs> yeah. It, it, you know, that's that's almost a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have to find tricks of how to gently um, coax yourself into things that are good for you oh yeah uh, you know changing into your sneakers um, has a different feel and um, it brings a new energy to the situation um, and if we notice that uh, we can really capitalize on it mm-hmm. do you Abby do you have any example of um, someone that you've worked with I do. I, you know, this was an interesting, this is, I I got a referral from a physician where I was working um, of a woman who was just about my age. She was in her early fifties. And um, it was during the time when I was having, you know, a real struggle of my own. And, and I had to think, am I seeing in her just stuff that's in myself or is this really very similar? Mm -hmm. But she was referred for depression Mm -hmm. and which is often the case. Um, that that physicians will pick out depression and and she said you know um, I don't even know myself I'm I'm suddenly unhappy in my work but I'm so tired I I can't look for a new job and I can't sleep I've always been a good sleeper and I don't know why I can't sleep Um, I'm tearful and she was her moods were all over the map all the time and she just felt like things were wildly out of control Um, So we did a couple of things. Uh, The first thing we did was um, we had a conversation about her menstruation and possible menopausal symptoms, which ironically, she had not discussed with the doctor. And she was beginning to see some changes around menstruation and the timing and the quality of, um, you know, cramps and and irritability. Uh, And so we encouraged her to set up another appointment to talk with a physician solely about that. The other thing that we did was we worked with her sleep a little bit and she was beginning to have hot flashes at night and we talked a little bit about what is it what is it that you start thinking in the middle of the night when you can't sleep? Where do your thoughts go and mm-hmm. and is it possible to just have those thoughts and let them let them basically go by. Mhm. Um and then the third thing we did was we, we did the tug-of-war metaphor, and she really liked it. She described a monster on the other side of the boat, um, how it looked so different, and, and she didn't know herself and all these things around perfection and career and almost the pictures that you talked about earlier that were not attainable, and she was pulling and pulling and pulling. And she she really liked the exercise of, of feeling herself putting down the rope and how that felt lighter. Mm-hmm. The next thing we did was we, we talked about the values mm-hmm. and uh, we gave her a values um, rating sheet, like I had discussed earlier that we actually had in our survey. And she liked it so much that 
she photocopied it and gave it to four of her friends and they met for coffee and they completed their values mm-hmm. and their satisfaction and actions and they moved right to committed action and said, this is what we're going to do. We're not satisfied in these areas. And they began to meet over coffee um, and she didn't need us anymore. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so <funny. laughs> um, I think that between recognizing I, my body is changing and life is changing Um, I want to connect with these friends and I want to get back to the things that mean something to me. I don't want to put important areas of my life on the back burner anymore. I want to do what I really, really do love and value. And, um, and she, she just loved it and her friends loved it. And I guess they started a coffee club and didn't need psychologists. So (laughs) that's, uh, that's one example that I think is, particularly um, pertinent to what we're talking about. Yeah. No, I love that, Abby. Abby, we've gotten to the end of the program. Um, Do you have any advice you might give some of our listeners? I'm sure there are many women who are 50 and over or have relatives that are. What kind of advice could you give us? Have the conversation. Um, Start having the conversation. Ask questions. And um, think about what it would be like to ride this wild surfboard in turbulent, changing water and just go for the ride and, <laughs> and, and ride it. Have fun. I love that. What great advice. Thank you so much for being on the program with us today, oh, thank Abby. Thank you. You've been listening to Dr. Abby Beecham. Uh, Abby is an associate professor at Saviar University in Ohio, and you can read more about Abby and her work uh, by clicking on her name so you can get to her website on this week's Act Taking Her to Hope. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Joanne and her work, please see her website at joannedahl.com or click on the host website icon in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. Joanne's books are available through Amazon.com, including her two latest, The Diet Trap, Feed Your Psychological Needs, and End the Weight Loss Struggle Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and ACT and RFT in Relationships, Helping Clients Deepen Intimacy and Maintain Healthy Commitments Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy and Rational Frame Theory. Amazon also carries her books on chronic pain and other topics. We hope you'll join us again soon for another episode of ACT. Taking Hurt to Hope.